0: Good morning, Boulder. So, Pastor Jeff is still recovering from being sick this week. So, I am happy to fill in, and I'm excited to be here with you all and dive into God's Word with all of you. So, if you will bow your heads with me as we begin. Jesus, thank you for being our friend and our Savior Thank you for being a good God. I just pray today, I claim your promise that uh, you be lifted up. I claim the promise that when you're lifted up, all people would draw to you, Jesus. In Jesus' name, amen. So the sermon title is Facts and Fairy Tales. Before I became a pastor, I actually was... A teacher for a hot minute, a, a religion teacher of high schoolers and the reason why I share this is because this morning I have a little teacherish assignment for you all. I'm gonna ask you take a minute to make a list of the top ten things you'd find in a super duper cliche fairy tale. And uh, so in this list, it can have uh, phrases that you would find, characters you'd find in the fairy tale, um, events that happen. But I want you to take a minute. You can talk with a neighbor. You can make a mental list. But I'm going to give you a minute. Make a list of the top 10 things you think you would find in a really cliche fairy tale. All right, I, I'll give you a couple more seconds to wrap it up. I know I'm not giving you too, too much time, but we'll see what you got on your list. I will give you my list and we will see, uh, we'll compare and see uh, what you had in your list, if it's the same. So number one, top 10 things found in a most cliche fairy tale. Number one, the story usually always starts off with this phrase. Once upon a time. It's a phrase that starts off the story, and it's usually when things are going really good, and actually sometimes perfect. Number two, there's usually an enemy or a villain of some sort. And the villain usually always shows up when everything is going good, uh, but usually when the villain shows up, a curse usually shows up with him. Number three, I had Damsel in Distress. She's typically captured in some way, and I don't know why, but she's typically blonde. I don't know what that's all about. Number four, I had, who usually comes to rescue the Damsel in Distress? Prince Charming. And Prince Charming typically spends the majority of the story carrying out this rescue mission, this rescue plan, for this damsel in distress. And number five, what does Prince Charming usually ride? A horse. What color? White. Oh, you guys are so good. A plus. A white horse. And number six, Usually at the end, he slays a what? A dragon. You guys might say dragon. I say dragon. I'm from northern Minnesota. Thank you for letting me live in your state. My husband is born and raised here, so that's my end. Number seven. Typically, there's a big battle that takes place. So this happens... Yes, between um, the enemy, the villain, or the dragon, and Prince Charming. And who typically wins the big battle? The prince. Obviously, he wins. Number eight. At the very end, the prince and the damsel usually come back together, and there's a wedding. There's usually a wedding. They're reunited. Number nine. The curse is broken. There's no longer a curse. And number 10, what's usually the last phrase that ends the story? Oh, you guys are so good. Give yourselves a round of applause. That was good. A plus, okay. And they all lived happily ever after. Another one I was actually thinking, and this is like you could have extra credit, a bonus, is if there's usually like a helper to help the damsel in distress during this time. Usually it's like a fairy or um, sometimes like an animal of some sort or even sometimes like a teapot, and they are helping the damsel in distress. So I got to ask you, how easy was this assignment? How easy was it to come up with the most cliche fairy tale? This is probably pretty easy for most of you because... This story is played out over and over and over again. And the majority of stories and movies actually have the same plot, just different details. And it really got me thinking, why is this a story that we love to create? We love to watch, read, or listen to over and over and over again. At one point, while I was a teacher, I asked all six of my Bible classes back to back why they thought this was. And no joke, all six classes, all 190 students, had the same answer, and this is what they told me. They said, we watched this story over and over again because, number one, we wish it was our story. But it's just a fairy tale, and it's too good to be true. Let's face the facts. So today we're going to go through the whole Bible. We're starting from Genesis 1 and ending in Revelation 22. Uh, But don't worry, it's actually only about eight verses we'll go through. But I need you to stay with me. But today I'm going to share a story with you that has all the elements of a fairy tale. But I pray that we receive today as facts. So if you have your Bibles and you want to open with me to Genesis 1-1, we're starting at the very, very beginning. And as I go through this, we're going to check off this list that we've made and see where we find this in Scripture. Starting with Genesis 1-1, it says, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Does it sound kind of familiar? Once upon a time. Check. Check. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. It's so good already. Right out of the gate, things are good. We know this because God says it is. He created light. Boom, it was good. He created the stars. Boom, it was good. He created the fishies. Boom, they were good. He created the dogs. Boom, they were good. He created humans. Adam and Eve were good. Not only was it all good, it was actually perfect. And one of the most perfect things about it was that God and humans were dwelling together face to face. Which meant they hung out in the garden together. They went on walks together. They spent their Sabbaths together. God created a good and perfect place for humans to enjoy. Here's a quick question for you. Who here needs a reminder this morning that God is good? That God is a giver of good gifts? That God is a giver of good things? You see, from the very start of this story, we see that God is good and that he gives good things. Now, if you turn with me to Genesis 3, verse 1, something happens. You know, everything is good and everything is perfect, but what do we say typically happens in the fairy tale story? Some, the villain, the enemy, arrives. So this is Genesis 3, verse 1. It says, Now the serpent was more crafty than any of the wild animals the Lord God had made. He said to the woman, "Did God really say you must not eat from any tree in the garden?" All right. So, what did we say? That the villain shows up, and typically when the villain shows up, the curse shows up with them. See, the enemy dressed himself up as a serpent. And this stealthy serpent tells a lie. He tells a lie about who they are, and he tells a lie about who God is. And while the serpent does the lying, Eve does the listening. And what ultimately ends up happening is the enemy tricks Adam and Eve into getting robbed by sin and death. Like we said, the villain shows up and the curse shows up with him. See, God is the giver of good things, the giver of abundant life, but the enemy is the one who comes to take, to kill, and to destroy. And we see that right away in this story. And now, not just Adam and Eve, but all humanity, for the rest of time, including you and I, had this curse of sin and death put over us. This is the sad, scary part of the story. This is the part of the story where Maleficent comes in and puts a curse on little Sleeping Beauty. This is the part of the story where Ursula takes the voice away from Ariel. This is the part of the story where Cruella de Vil comes in and steals the puppies. This is the part of the story where the princess now becomes the damsel in distress. And you see, because this happened, humanity became a damsel in distress. Check. We see this right here. We can check that off of our list. This was now the list of facts that humanity had to face. Humanity was captured and bound by sin and death. Sin and death now had rule over you and I. The grave now had claim over us and our future was only filled with shame, guilt, fear and an enormous outstanding debt that we could never pay. Ultimately it would end in a very sad ending unless someone came for our rescue. Which immediately in Genesis 3:15 if you go right there just it happens right after 3 verse 1 God steps in. But God, so although humanity has just messed up, but God, he immediately puts a rescue plan in place. And this is what he goes over to the serpent. And this is 315. And I will put enmity between you and the woman and between you and her offspring and hers. He will crush your head and you will strike his heel. So right now... Basically, what God is saying, this is the first taste and the first announcement of the rescue plan. Remember we said that the Prince Charming, he he, he arrives in this scene and he spends the majority of the story actually carrying out the rescue plan. Well, this is the very beginning, God implementing this rescue plan. And he's saying, hey serpent, guess what? One day, my son, Jesus, the prince, is going to crush your head with his heel on Calvary. This is the first foreshadow to Calvary. Because yes, humanity has just become the damsel in distress, but the rescue plan has just been put into place for Jesus to carry out And for Jesus to crush the head of the serpent on Calvary. So check this out. This is what's so beautiful about this. When humans mess up, God's first response was not to put them on the naughty list. God's first response to humanity's mistake was setting up a rescue plan. God's first response was to fix it for us. God's first response was to pay the debt that we owed. So who here needs a reminder that when you mess up or go astray, God is still fighting in your corner. He's still in your corner. He's still fighting on your behalf. He's still your first responder. And actually, his first response is to rescue you. Amen? Now we'll go, this is just the announcing, okay? So Genesis 3.15 is just the announcing of the rescue plan. But the whole Old Testament, I'm going to try and show you this. The whole Old Testament, this whole story is actually God carrying out the rescue plan. It's carrying out the rescue mission. And that's what we had said, that. The Prince Charming, he shows up and he spends the majority of the story actually trying to rescue and carrying out this rescue mission for the damsel in distress. And that's what we see here in the Old Testament. The thing is, the Old Testament, when I first read it for the first time for myself, I'm like, it's so good. It's so good. It's like eating a maple frosted Lamar's donut, it's so good. You know why? Because I realized I had always thought that the Bible, especially the Old Testament, was just a bunch of separate stories about people, about humans having faith in God. But when I read it, I realized, oh my goodness, this is one big story about God being faithful to humans. So what we see in this whole Old Testament of him carrying out this rescue mission is that God throughout the whole Old Testament is protecting and preserving and pursuing after his people. The whole Old Testament could be summed up into one verse. If you want to turn with me to Psalm 23, verse 6. It could be summed up into this one verse. Surely God's goodness and love will follow me all the days of my life. And I... Sorry. It's okay. We're all good. All the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. So I have to say, a couple of years ago, my sister was diagnosed and battled with a very rare cancer. And it was like walking through the valley of the shadow of death. But during this time, my son, he was about one years old, and he loves to worship. But he really only knew, <laughs> he only really asked for one song. He would go to our Alexa, and he would want to ask for one song every single day. He asked for uh, the song, The Goodness by Toby Mack. And I mean, he asked for that song every single day for an entire year. I mean, like, Carl and I got 365 days of Toby Mac. (laughs) But the thing is, even Alexa got tired of it. At the beginning of the year, she was like, yeah, I'll play that for you. But then by November, she's like, sure, I guess I can play it again. But at the end of the year, I felt like God was saying to me, you may be walking through a valley in the shadow of death, but I'm right there with you, and my goodness and mercy are pursuing after you every single day of your life. Like literally 365 days a year. So maybe, maybe you're also going through a valley But this word shows us that when you go into the valley, God goes with you, right alongside of you. Jesus is your ride or die because his goodness and love and mercy continues to pursue after you all the days of your life. That is what the Old Testament is. It is the carrying out of the rescue mission. It is the continual pursuing after his people. All the way up until we get to Matthew. If you want to turn with me to Matthew. And here it is. We finally, the prince finally arrives. Jesus finally arrives and is here on earth. This is Matthew chapter 1, verse 21. She will give birth to a son, and you are to give him the name Jesus, because he will save his people from their sins. This is now the fruition. Now this is Jesus coming to earth to now carry out the rescue mission across the finish line. This is why Adventists, Christians, why we're so lit about Christmas time is because this is where we're so excited that Jesus is finally here. He came as a baby. Now the prince is here to save humanity from sin and death from fight, by fighting an epic battle on the cross. Which leads us to what our spoken word was today. We'll go to John chapter 19 verse 30. John chapter 19, verse 30, it says this. Now, here's the thing. Jesus' life has happened, and now he's here on the cross, on Calvary. And it says, when he received the drink, Jesus said, it is finished. And with that, he bowed his head and gave up his spirit. The thing is, what did we say The big battle scene, you can check that off your list. Who do we say usually wins? It's the prince who obviously wins. And in this story, Jesus obviously wins. He says, it is finished. Why does Jesus say it's finished? Because it's finished. It's done. It's completed. Humanity had been captured by sin and death. But Jesus, the prince came to where humanity was, and he set us free. We were captured by sin and death, but Jesus rescued us. You see, Jesus changed the list of facts that you and I had to face. Jesus paid our debt in full with no outstanding debt. He cast all of our sins into the depths of the sea. We were saved by grace through faith. Being a pastor, you know what I've come to realize is that the majority of Christians rarely experience salvation because they're continually questioning whether or not they've been saved. What I've realized is that Christians rarely experience forgiveness because they're continually questioning whether or not they've been forgiven. But here, even in John 3.16, what we maybe all know is it's saying that we just have to believe what it is that Jesus has done for us on the cross. That he actually did rescue us. And that when he said it was finished, he meant it. It was finished. But the thing is, it is kind of sometimes hard to believe because in this life, it's really whatever we receive is rarely ever free. What we receive is usually because we earned it, we deserved it, because we were on good behavior for it, or we paid for it ourselves. But salvation, our rescue, is actually a free gift. The thing is, I could say this over and over, um, but I'm I'm going to use uh, different terms or a different analogy. So I'm going to use coffee terms with you. Okay, is that okay? Not too long ago, I received three free cups of coffee in a row. The number one, I was in a drive-through in Starbucks and it took forever. I was in that line forever. But when I finally got up to the window, the barista said, hey, here's a free cup of coffee. I said, oh my goodness, are you for real? She said, yes because you waited so long and so patiently in line. And I thought, oh, wow. Okay, so it's a free cup because of my good behavior. I waited really patiently. (laughs) Number two, the second free cup of coffee I got, I swear this was back to back, like almost in one week. I went to Monk and Mongoose it's kind of this, in Lone Tree, and it's kind of this bougie coffee shop for millennials who don't have an office. And really, so that th- <laughs> that thing is like filled with startups and um, church planters, lots of pastors in that thing. You could literally sit down and just listen, and you get three Bible studies at once. <laughs> but the thing is, I go up to the cashier and she or the barista, and she says you get a free cup of coffee today. And I thought, what, I do? Are you for real? And she said, yeah, because you earned 100 points, rewards points. And I thought, oh, I earned 100 rewards points. So I said, how do you get a point? Like, Like how do you get that many points? So I I asked her and she said, oh, it's a point for every dollar you spent here. (laughs) And I thought, hold up, so you're telling me I'm like, this is not a free cup of coffee. I said, I've spent $100 here over the past two years. So really, this is a $100 cup of coffee. This is not a free cup of coffee. Then the third, okay, so now the third one, never been in this coffee shop, don't have like a friendship, long-term friendship with the barista. I don't have any points earned. I'm not waiting in line a long time. I literally go straight up to the counter. And the barista says, this is a free cup of coffee. I said, are you for real? And they said, yes, it's on me. I already took care of it. The thing is, when we were rescued and given forgiveness and salvation, it's not because of our good behavior it's not because we earned it. It's because Jesus said, it's on me. I already took care of it. The thing is, if I'm now I'm going to kind of go through a rapid fire so we can go through the rest of this story because we still have some things to check off of our list. You see, we said that there's a helper. right after Jesus is raised from the dead, Right before he ascends back into heaven in Acts 1, 1 through 11, he gives a helper. He gives his Holy Spirit. And his Holy Spirit is so that the Holy Spirit can live in us and through us. We're going to talk about this more next week. But this is that... That, that uh, helper that we talked about on the list, the fairy or the animal, the uh, the little teapot that helps us out. Except this is so much better. <laughs> this is the Holy Spirit. This is God's Spirit living in us. And he gives us that helper to live in and through us. It's like the gifts that keeps on giving with all the fruit that comes with them. Then we go to Revelation 19.11. So if you turn with me here. We'll go to Revelation nineteen eleven, And at the very end, we're coming to the very end of the story. I promise. And it says this. I saw heaven standing open, and there before me was a white horse. What? Whose rider is called Faithful and True. With justice, he judges and makes war. White horse, check. Now we go to Revelation 20, verse 2. And he, he's the prince, the king of kings, slays the dragon. Check. The ancient serpent who is the devil, Satan, and bound him for a thousand years. Now we go to Revelation 21, verses 1 through 5. It says this. Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth, for the first heaven and the first earth had passed away. And there was no longer any sea. I saw a holy city, the new Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride, beautifully dressed for her husband. What do we say that happens at the end? A wedding? Check. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Now the dwelling of God is with men, and he will live with them, and they will be his people, and God himself will will be with them and be their God. He will wipe away every tear from their eyes. There will be no more pain or crying, for the old order of things have passed away. He who is seated on the throne says, I am making all things new. Now, Revelation 22, verse 3, it says, No longer will there be any curse. Let's go! No more curse check. And now for the final, so we have just checked up all the elements, but I want you, this is the final, final verse I want you to hear, and this is Revelation 22, verse 6. The angel said to me, these words are trustworthy and true. So that is God's way of saying facts. These are facts. We've just checked off the entire list of elements found in a fairy tale. But God is saying, this is more than just a fairy tale. This is facts. He's saying that this isn't just someone else's story. This is your story. To put it simply, Jesus turned our facts into a fairy tale. You see, the enemy wants us to believe that this is isn't our story, that this is someone else's story, that it's not reality, that it's too good to be true. So we've been living like it's someone else's story. But this is your story. It's my story. So when the whole world is telling us to face the facts, now I'm like, say less. Yes, let's review the facts, shall we? God is a creator and giver of good gifts. When we mess up or go astray, God's first response is to be in our corner fighting for our rescue. God's goodness and love is pursuing us all the days of our life. Because of Jesus' victory on the cross, we also have victory over sin and death because jesus paid our total outstanding debt we are freely forgiven because jesus rose from the dead the grave has no claim on us jesus did the work we got the win jesus holy spirit now lives in and through us and jesus is coming back soon and will make all things new so here's my appeal i don't know what you're week has looked like, what your month has looked like, what your year has looked like. I don't know if it's been good, bad, ugly, or all the above, but this word tells us the full story, tells us your full story of how Jesus loves you, fights for you, journeys with you, pursues after you, has rescued you, lives in you, and is coming back again for you. So my appeal, my prayer today, is that although this story has all the elements of a fairy tale, that you'd receive it today as facts. My appeal is that you'd believe and receive this as your story. We can confidently believe and receive this because this is our story. It's not just a fairy tale, and it's not too good to be true.